This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, you guys all know the drill by now. You've got your post-game show. You know, Pete and I try to do our best to rock that out for you after a big victory over the Dolphins. I don't care that it's a Dolphins. Win the game that in front of you. If it's a lesser team, win it handily. That type of stuff, guys. Enjoy the moment. It's three in a row. It's the prettiest part of this 29th season at this point. Week in, week out, go get the W. doesn't matter who you're playing. So we're going to continue to roll on through here. On Tuesdays, you get your PFF episode. That is already up. Uh, Pete Smith joined here, so we'll get to some mailbag and some early things here as we get into this week uh, that I want to get to Pete with. Um, So from Browns Maven through Westside.com, Pete Smith, Jeff Lloyd, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Browns-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Pete, before we get to anything else, and Freddie, who had a good day yesterday and streamed together, you know, a couple good efforts here. This is this is a really, really difficult game coming up Sunday in Pittsburgh. Um, look, it's not even a question of whether or not the scabs have healed. You know, I mean, the blood is still there, essentially, so to speak, to use that metaphor. You know, that Thursday night is nowhere near removed and for a certain faction of Browns fans, you certainly have not helped with that. But Pete, here's Freddie in a situation he's not nowhere near familiar with. How do you get this team ready knowing that you're going into this building? It's, I mean, the, the fuse, the lamp could be lit for a fight. Uh, you've got, you know, not you go into Pittsburgh every year. They hate you and they degrade you and everything about it year in, year out. This year, it's going to be amplified times 10. How do you do this? Because, I mean, look, you can practice and this is what we want to run and this, that, and the other thing. How do you keep this team mentally focused in what could turn out to – and this is going to be the case. I mean, this could be the case. If the Browns get up early like they did – on Thursday night against the Steelers in that game, this could get really, really crazy. And, you know, look, we talked about it a little bit last night, but you can't control it. If, if, if guys are looking for retribution, how do you coach this part of it? Well, I mean, I think, I think part of it is largely going to take care of itself as I don't think Mason Rudolph's going to play. Uh, I could be wrong on that and, and may still play him, but I think, just the in, the indecision sort of takes a little bit of the air out of that particular balloon, but for the Browns, I mean, you are you have put yourself in a hole where you basically, you know, have to feel like every game is a must-win game for you to stay viable for the playoffs. Uh, you may have some wiggle room there. You may be able to potentially go like nine and seven or something, but you can't possibly believe that at this point because there's just too many things at stake here, like the Bills being like eight and three or whatever they are, uh, as a, a virtual lock for one of them. So you've got, you know, one more spot to get into uh, the wild card, unless the Ravens are going to start, you know, hemorrhaging football games, which seems unlikely. So that's going to be a big factor. The other part is, you know, if you were able to get this team focused through, you know, everything that happened last week, I think. A lot of this is sort of, you know, you're you're in that right mindset, and I think they've been able to use 
I think a lot the league office um, as sort of a, you know, one more thing that's sort of working against them. And I think that helped galvanize this group. Uh, I think they're particularly bothered by, you know, Jarvis Landry vocalized it uh, last week. I thought he was really good on this is, is talking about how he felt like the process was trying to basically, you know, sweep Miles Garrett out of the way as quickly as possible and not really consider anything else. And I think that helped because it, uh, it feels like the Browns got, in addition to the fact that they've won a couple games, which certainly helps, I think there was an element of instead of being worried about living up to what they're supposed to be, they were more worried about being angry about how they're perceived both by the league and by opposing fans and everybody else. And they're back in that – they've sort of been able to be back in that mindset of what they had with, with – uh, Greg Williams a little bit where it's, you know, you're going to respect us and all that stuff. So I think you can still play that uh, card a little bit. And the other part is, you know, you can play history here. I, I'm sure somebody knows offhand, but I, I, I can't remember the last time the Browns beat the Steelers twice in a year. Uh, that's a big deal. And, and you had, you had total control of that game. You couldn't finish. So you're also talking about, uh, you still have to find a way to finish uh, to play full, four full good quarters of football, and no better team to do it against than against the Steelers, who are still going to be completely wounded. The implication at this point is James Conner's not going to play, uh, so they're going to be down, guys. You're going to be operating in a position of strength. Hopefully, they activate David Njoku, um, and that gives you a little more excitement into this. But you've become sort of a team with an identity on offense. Um, you're going to get some guys back on defense, and hopefully Olivier Vernon's one of those. It's a little concerning that we're still talking about this day-to-day and all that. Uh, but there are a lot of sort of avenues to play this off of, but I think the one that's probably going to be the most effective is just the fact that, you know, how long, you know, basically how long it's been since, you know, this team swept the Pittsburgh Steelers and the fact that, you you know, this group doesn't care about all the failures of the past. It's all about writing their history now. And that's where it's going to be difficult. And, you know, it, it's, you know, in, this is going to be, this will be major for Freddie. It's task at hand. It's next play. It's walk the hell away. Um, you know, the refs are going to have an itchy trigger finger. You know, this going into it. Um, and I'm sh- the league as I'm sure emphasized this, to, you know, the officiating crew that's going to be handling this game, you just can't do it. Pete, this is one we didn't get to yesterday and I didn't want to get to. Um, uh, D. Haslam, you know, wearing the Miles Garrett hat yesterday. And, guys, look, um, you know, when you talk with, you know, some of the guys here and, you know, some of the beaters and some of the stuff is, you know, a lot of the stuff is, you know, in bringing in players. And Kareem Hunt was one. Um, and D Haslam as, you know, part of the ownership of this team as a female signing off on it. And some of these guys, whether it's Antonio Callaway and players of Solomon Thomas, players of that ilk is signing off on guys with bad off field stuff and letting them play for you. Pete. Yeah. She should have been wearing that hat yesterday. And she certainly should have been supporting miles Garrett. It's never been an off thing for my off field thing for miles Garrett. Look, we'll, we may never know what truly happened. I think everyone Browns-wise knows Miles Garrett. And when you paint the picture of up two touchdowns, 
10 seconds to go, about to win Thursday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who he's never beat. It makes you really think something's deeper there that we may never know. But yeah, damn well, she better be supporting that player. Well, I think he did a couple of things. I think it sent a powerful message to the locker room um, about, you know, how they feel about Miles Garrett and, you know, being willing to stick with players going through uh, going through something like this. Obviously, they've, they've had a history with it, and it hasn't always worked out. But I also think this is an extremely political decision on her part uh, because the people who aren't going to like this don't buy tickets here. And the people who do, do. So, you know, if, if it makes her appear to be sort of a renegade owner um, to do this, it sort of gives her and this team a little bit of an edge with people who like this team. I mean, you know, it's, it's, that was not, you know, a safe move for her or any owner. That was kind of a big deal. Um, you know, this is a, usually a very buttoned up, you know, set of people outside of like Jerry Jones uh, and some of those uh, to have somebody who, who does own the team. And I, I've seen a couple people refer to her as the wife of the owner. She's, she's an owner. Uh, she's fully involved in this thing and is, uh, is a big, big wheel in the operation of the Browns. Uh, she's doing it and she's sending that message. And I think, I think that will endear her to a lot of people locally, even if it turns off people, uh, maybe nationally. I don't know how big that number is. I think most people probably don't care, but I think the positive for her is substantially outweighing the negative. And I do think it is a little bit of political calculation. And, and that doesn't mean she doesn't believe what she's doing. It just, it just also happens to work out for, for them this way. And that it is a nice little sales pitch for the team and uh, a player who obviously, you know, warrants the support he's getting, I believe. Uh, based on everything he's been doing as a, as a person. So I think it works on a lot of levels. I think the positives are substantially higher for her than the negatives. And I think uh, I also think it helps that she's the one doing it as opposed to Jimmy Haslam because she is a woman uh, and she does have, you know, uh, you know, some, some status in the league. Obviously I have some questions with, with her role on the, uh, you know, the panel, when it comes to being against domestic violence and some things. But I do think this was a very smart move on her part. Look, you can't be okay with others and what they've done in that aspect and not jump in here. I mean, look, you want to look and you want to give the representation of you're all about second chances either way. Um, Whether or not we disagree with her on some of them, that's fine. But if that's going to be your calling card, it better be your calling card 24-7, 365. Definitely, I took something away from it. And, and you know, and, and I tried to say that maybe these has, you know, the Haslam's need to kind of go more of the way of the shaking the hands, kissing the babies, all that stuff. But yeah, that that definitely, definitely hit me, hit me in a good spot. Good job on her part, because you know, I don't care what 31 other fan bases, and I don't care nationally what everybody else thinks, you know. If, if, if you know, if, as much as Pete and I go at this on guys and what they've done, look, yes, it was egregious, but this ain't the make of the man of Miles Garrett. We're going to get to a whole bunch more here, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, which will be your Twitter Tuesday episode. Uh, guys, it's the best week of the year. I tell you this all the time. I love Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving week. 
um, as much as it's going to be after I go to my sister-in-law's to go to mom's this year, first Thanksgiving without pops, I'm still going to love every second of it. I'm going to eat every drop of food. And what else am I going to do? I'm going to enjoy three football games, even if some of them aren't so great. Who are we kidding? That, uh, yeah, Brown, the Bears-Lions that game. Yeah, yeah. Bills, Cowboys, uh, Saints are going to roll. Who cares? MyBookie.ag. Go ahead. Put a little, get a little action in the game. Uh, whether you want to parlay all three, manipulate the spreads to your advantage. Uh, whether you want to bet them all individually. Fantasy players galore in all three games. Bet on the over-under fantasy points-wise of each player. Have a blast with it. Enjoy the food. Enjoy your family with MyBookie.ag. You go ahead, um, put down an initial deposit. If you are not a member, they will match it 100%. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Now, this is from, I just want to make sure I do believe it is, Dale Harris. Dale, I always appreciate you. Big fan of the show. And Dale, I appreciate the advice as his daughter just turned 13. You're playing the same team you just played within you know 13 14 days what do you got to do to manipulate things whether it's offensively defensively both sides of the ball here but you've kind of just played this game and you know usually you know it's not like you're going to say oh we'll save our bullets for the next time we see him the browns certainly were not in that position at two and six how do you handle this when you're basically running it back this fast well i mean first and foremost i think if they get if they have Njoku back, I think that changes the dynamic. I mean, that's going to be the wild card for them. That, yeah, they have to deal with it. Uh, look, you have to evaluate it like you would anything else. You go back and you look at the tape of what they did to some of the things you were trying to do, and you you pick out things that work and you pick out things that didn't, and you add in uh, a couple extra looks or uh, options that you you know you didn't account for the first time, or maybe you just simply didn't get to them the first time. Uh, but based on what their what their defense is doing or what their offense is doing, you adjust accordingly, and and there, that becomes where where it's really a chess match uh, in the sense that you know you, you've had that first matchup, and now you get to sort of go back quickly and and get right to it. I mean, in some ways, it simplifies things, and that you know it's it's fresh, it's right there. You're going to have to to go out and and play it, and and some of those things just simply aren't going to change player X is probably better than, you know, their player Y uh, still, and you're going to have those matchups and you're still going to try to exploit things, but you're going to look to hide some weaknesses or you're going to uh, try to take advantage of, of areas that they were weak at that you didn't have a chance to take advantage of, or maybe injuries have changed things. But, um, you know, it's, it's, Less work in some respects, and it's more work in others. It's less work in the fact that you know what they have. Um, that's not going to change anything, and it's it's more work in the sense of you have to be able to sort of be very honest about self-scouting yourself and looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, they've got all these uh, these analytics people and, and, and various, uh, you know, the, uh, control, the uh, quality control coaches who are going to sort of help them sort of think from the other side and try to sort of beat them. And that's where you sort of have to be able to be honest and, and, and make those adjustments accordingly. And that's the difficultness of it. Um, and here's the thing, cause they kind of came out humming 
offensively. And then Pittsburgh was able to kind of counteract it. Um, look at, you know, those first couple of drives, what was working. Um, you know, Nick had a good day, but it was more, you know, bang, bang, bang. It was similar to the Denver game in 2018, where it was a lot of, you know, ran up to a line, was able to get three, four. And then there was, you know, a couple of runs that broke him to a hundred. Um, look, keep involving Kareem, keep mixing it up. Um, but this is one more I want to get to here, Pete, is look, we, we've talked about, you know, we've talked about Callaway. We've talked about Higgins. And one of the things we've been preaching is best skill personnel. David Njoku plays Sunday. It may not necessarily matter who your third and fourth wide receiver are. Um, Freddie has a history of success with 12 personnel, two tight ends, one running back. Um, we've seen a lot of, you know, 20 personnel, whatever it may be, with Kareem Hunt, with Nick Chubb. You're getting to the point where you go into this game, if you have David Njoku, your best personnel is 21, and it's Kareem, it's Nick, it's David, it's Jarvis, it's Odell. And this is kind of what we saw yesterday, which led to dropping 40-plus on the Miami Dolphins. These are your five best. And look, when your back's up against it and you can't afford a loss, you can't afford to lose any more. If you're going to go down swinging, you better go down swinging with your best bets. Well, that's 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 where this thing becomes really interesting from the Steelers' standpoint, because what is their best bet? And on a couple of positions, it's genuinely up in the air. I mean, if James Conner's out, that's, you know, that's a real question. I mean, is it Jalen Samuels? Is it is it someone else at running back? And Mr. Snell, you later. Almost 100 yeah, yards yesterday. Is it is it Mason Rudolph or is it Devlin Hodges? I mean, it, it, these are not easy questions to answer. And obviously Mason Rudolph was awful the last time they played the Browns. Uh, so that's not exactly working in their favor. Uh, Sheldon but, Richardson was perfect saying, yeah, go ahead, play him again. I don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I get this is about the Browns and I agree with you, but it just seems far more applicable to the Steelers because they're missing so many guys. Um, and, and what does that really look like? And, and what does that make them do in terms of, you know, how much are they going to try to rush guys back? So a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster is probably going to be recovered enough uh, from the, the concussion to play, but is his knee good? Is, you know, there's some other guys in that, in that area that, that are going to be in that, uh, in that state, and that's going to be a question of how much they want to play guys like that um but really i mean you just look at the offensive side of the ball and you're just like what are they going to do and meanwhile obviously you know for the browns you don't have miles garrett and that's a huge change obviously he was dominant the first time he just owns alondra villanueva uh what do you do in his stead i mean are you going to sort of just roll with chad thomas are you going to go with a little bit more of Brian Cox Jr., who I thought flashed at times. Uh, does Porter Justin get another get a little more run? And they both look like they had fresh legs. But they should. Um, they are they are rested. That's an advantage um, this time of year, though. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, these are the questions where it's sort of like, is there some little wrinkle that you can find that's going to give you an advantage in this type of rematch? Because those are the little adjustments, that little bit of attention to detail – 
that uh, it makes a big difference in these type of games. There's zero doubt about it. And look, the Olivier Vernon thing, the Eric Murray thing, it seems like it's a, it's a need to know basis. And look, guys, obviously, unless they hit the practice field and they're doing anything, we ain't on the need to know basis. We all get it. Um, and we'll find all more of this out on Wednesday in that respect. Um, it'd be nice to get some reinforcements back on the D is where on offense, you're about to have the full repertoire. And, you know, and we had talked about this, look, this D has carried the load here kind of for a while. And the O wasn't able to basically have their backs in that respect. Last couple of weeks here, the offense has been all right in that respect, but you need to go out there and they need to execute. They need to continue. And at the end of the day, Pete, it doesn't honestly, it doesn't matter if they went two and 14, doesn't matter whether they went one and 15 for this team to elevate. You need to be able to prove that you can go into that building and get the job done. You cannot have this monkey on your back. Big brother pointing the finger down on you forever. You got to get a win out there, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I again, uh, it, it, it's a game that tends to be over, valued in my in my opinion obviously any number of coaches have been fired losing to the Steelers uh which is absurd on its face well the most previous uh, one was okay yeah uh but uh look I mean they aren't as good as they have been in years past but they are an opponent you look forward to playing every year and you have to beat who's in your division and it becomes an opportunity for them to win in, in another sort of big road game in a in a in a, in a field that is awful for things like kicking and all these things that can be a real problem. And the, and the Browns have an opportunity to sort of, you know, end that discussion. And, you know, if they beat him twice in the same year, Roethlisberger or not, I mean, they can feel better when those guys come back next year and, and feel like, Oh man, they're going to get it back. But it does sort of swing things towards the Browns. And it's not like they will suddenly all, you know, everything will be right in the world and they'll always beat the Steelers, but it would be a statement and it would be an important win and for a guy like Freddie Kitchens, who's sort of battling to, you know, secure himself Freddie a job. Moore. Yeah, if it, to secure himself a job for, for next year, I mean, that will be bigger than it probably should be. Uh, but that would be some 6-6 six and six on the year, 3-0 division, another big road win. And I think it would it, it certainly alters the conversation. And again... If they go eight and eight, it won't feel as good. But I, I, I you know, I, that feels like one of these games that will be artificially inflated from his standpoint. Yeah, and, and just one more here, um, Pete. Does and this is the kind of the one vibe I'm getting is like a lot of Pittsburgh Steeler wise. It's like, all right, well, Ben will be back next year. Um, the elbow couldn't answer the bell. He's missed this year. Bad elbow you know, dinged up everywhere. Every year it's a question of whether or not he's coming back. They seem awfully confident that A, Ben is going to be back in 2020, and B, that Ben is going to be who he's always been in 2020. I mean, it seems it seems a heavy roll of the dice as far as, you know, some folks Pittsburgh Steeler was. Well, I mean, look, he has certainly – been better longer than most people thought. Uh, certainly, this is a big deal. Injury recovery, um, but again, I, I don't know how confident the Steelers should feel. But I'm certainly uh, looking at it like 
they're going to be more dangerous with that, and they've got an opportunity to sort of address some things. But likewise, I'm looking at this and saying, well, they'll have Miles Garrett back, and that obviously makes a big deal. And they'll have some of these other players back that they didn't have the first time. Obviously, Njoku wasn't there the first game. That's, you know, that's a big loss. Um, so, I mean, at that point, hopefully it doesn't matter because hopefully the Browns are just better than the Steelers, and they've thoroughly proved it, and, and they can have whoever they want, and then the Browns can go in and take care of business. Um, so, I, I, look, if you're a Steelers fan, you're watching Mason Rudolph play, and you're watching, you know, Devlin Hodges play. You have Devlin to be hoping that you have to be hoping <laughs> that Ben Roethlisberger is going to come back because this is what you've got, and what you've got is awful. So, unless you're going to bring in, uh, or I should say, when you bring in Jameis Winston. Uh, that's going to be... We all know it's coming. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. It's got Jameis Winston written all over it. But uh, that would, you know, that's really their only path to viability. I mean, if if Roethlisberger doesn't come back well, I mean, the season is largely over before it started. And they they may be feisty again. They may win some games they, you know, weren't supposed to, but they they can't be a Super Bowl threat. They, They aren't really a divisional threat. They're just a pain in the ass to play twice a year. No doubt about that. We'll get to a little bit more here with uh, SI.com, Browns Maven, Pete Smith, Jeff Floyd, on your Twitter Tuesday, Locked On Browns. Guys, treat yourself with the meal you deserve, whether it's your favorite local restaurant, whether it's your favorite franchise restaurant, DoorDash, let them bring the meal to you, Um, especially in a hectic week like this, Thanksgiving week. Hours and time is limited. Get the food brought to you. Go to Google. Go to your iTunes. I mean, so go to your, um, you know, go download it on Apple. DoorDash, $5 off. Your first order of $15 or more. When you use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all caps, no space. Have food brought into you. Everybody needs a break sometimes. Don't feel ashamed. None of that nonsense. Look, we all got to eat. Sometimes we just ain't got the time to take care of it when we get home. DoorDash, appreciate the fine folks over there for their sponsorship at the Locked On Podcast Network. Pete, the Bengals, going back to Andy Dalton. What in the hell is Cincinnati doing? Well, seemingly burying Ryan Finley for starters, uh, it really seems like they see an opportunity to get one win avoid being winless for the season, and then they can go ahead and keep on losing and secure the first pick. It seems like they waited for uh, a real window, uh, a real little bit of breathing room here, and now they can go out and win a game and not lose any ground and still maintain their pick. And it feels like they want to go get this one against the Jets and move on. But, I mean, you can't feel good if you're Ryan Finley. they ain't beating the Jets with just Andy Dalton. I mean, I, the, the Jets. Uh, they, but he doesn't so... play defense. The Jets' offense right now, somehow, whatever they're doing, that's working. But, I mean, if they think Andy Dalton's going to be enough to be a difference against the Jets, God bless you. I mean, I don't see any other reason to do it. Uh, and if you're just going to say we're playing out the string, they have another quarterback in there they could throw in. It just seems like they really want to get one win. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, Ryan family's confidence could be shot. He could be, you know, just not in a state where he's prepared to play, you know, football as a starting quarterback. 
and they want to sort of give him a break, but I just, you know, this, this, this is bad because Andy Dalton was at one point frustrated. The Bengals didn't give him enough headway so he could try to get himself traded out of there. Uh, so I don't know how he's feeling is going back behind this offensive line uh, mm-hmm. to, to play another game, but uh, maybe it, it becomes, you know, sort of a Andy Dalton audition for the rest of the league for next year. Uh, if he's, you know, trying to show the Chicago bears what they're in for, um, <laughs> this could be, you know, an interesting opportunity, I guess. I, I, again, it, it, just the, the Bengals are flailing and this, this, this feels desperate and ineffective and, I don't see how this works and other other than making you look bad. But again, it, it may be for Ryan Finley's best interest here. I, I don't know, but I didn't think he – I thought, and so far have been proven right, that I thought he he's one of those guys with a sub subpar arm that looks good in preseason because he's playing against guys he can sort of read defenses and get the ball out quickly against that aren't ready for it. And then he gets out there on Sunday against real defenses, and the, the arm is just a major, major problem. Uh, which is what's happening. He's got wuss arm. Um, so, you know, if, if the point here was to say we have to find out what we have to, to see if we're going to take a quarterback next year, I mean, that's sort of it. They need a quarterback. Now, whether they, they, they like one much enough to take them over Chase. Chase Young remains to be seen. I, I still assume it's going to be Joe Burrow at this point, but they want to win. They want at least one. Yeah, I'm have zero idea that that's actually going to happen. Um, I just I, I just don't see it. And the thing for me that worries me is Andy Dalton in the really bad Bengals seasons has ended his season with a sling or with a cast on a thumb. And at this point, that's probably not what he needs. Um, it'll be interesting if all of a sudden A.J. Green is good enough to go, you know, like they're going to, get them all together for one last hurrah where they're 0-10 and maybe cost himself one overall, which would be the most bangle thing ever because right now you have a two-game lead on having whatever you want to draft at one overall. The problem with Cincinnati is you have a whole bunch of people trying to hustle and you have an ownership that just wants to say that they own an NFL team. And I feel bad for Bengal fans in that respect. We're going to start to get close to putting a bow on this one. Pete, it is Thanksgiving week. We'll break this down day by day. Let's start here. Desserts. Which pie is the go-to pie, Pete, on Thanksgiving? Oh, I, I, I'm a pumpkin pie guy. I love pumpkin pie. This explains uh, everything. You know, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with a nice chocolate soak pie. Uh, key lime, you know, if it's a good key lime pie, uh, that's always good. Fruit pies are, you know, apple pie. Apple pie is fine, uh, but I... I I'm oh, it's ham. You just said apple pie is ham. No, I said apple pie is fine, uh, but uh, but I, I will go for the uh, the the, the uh, gelatin-style pies, if, if that's what you want to think of it as. Uh, first Are the meringues okay? Yeah, like I said, key lime pie is great. Okay. All right. Pete, league-wise... Browns-wise, uh, Pete Smith be able to have, you know, the full vision, left, right, everything. Anything on Pete Smith's mind? Yeah, I was I was sort of messing with this before we started this. Is At five and six, 
what do you do with Freddie Kitchens right now? And I, and I think I know what the answer is, which is to say I don't know. Uh, and, and it's really waiting for these last five games to play out. But I think he has at least opened minds a little bit with what they've done. And there's some arguments for and against on this whole thing, but it's it's better than it was. I, I you know I think you look at it and it was obviously the offense. It was a really slow start, but now you're starting to and Pete, you know. You were more realistic with the beginning of the schedule, and like you brought up things where you said, "Look, two and five could be realistic." Um, so if we've talked about this, and now where now it's kind of you know beaten down on the weaklings, it's kind of what we thought. And I, 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 the thing is, I don't know, you know, and this is one thing Browns wise that's gone on for years, well before I've covered this team is. So much constant change may not be the norm, but I mean, look, I mean, if you think about the fact that you can possibly run this back next year, and we talked about this with John Costco, you know, Wyatt Teller to this point, for what we talk about, Pete, with the interior offensive line play, he's done well enough. He's pass blocked enough. You've got to save some money here somewhere. Uh, run blocking, it, it, it's not what you'd like it to be, but that's fine. But it's the difference between paying a third year fifth round pick contract as opposed to paying Kevin Zeitler 11 million. Maybe it's time where now it's like, let's stress cohesion and try to keep this together. Um, you can still run back Odell next year, can run back Jarvis. Um, there's the opportunity you can run back Kareem. There's, you know, Nick, David Ajoku, um, this tight end group. Yeah. Whatever ones of them you like, it would be addressing the tackle position both of them, and you know, and I told this to John. Maybe it's left tackle or bust in the first round, and handle right tackle like you handled right guard this year, where it's Forbes, it's Lamb, it's a third, fourth round draft pick. But yeah, I would. I'm almost to the point where I'd like to see year two of Freddie and this skill, where now Freddie's a little bit more comfortable, and you still got all of this around it which yeah it it sucks that it got to two and six and maybe it shouldn't have I truly understand it but this isn't hard to make this work well like I said I think I think it's still up in the air at least it is for me Um, again they have Freddie Kitchens has arguably the most marquee victory of the entire season by any team with what they did to the Ravens in their building uh, they also have the Bron- the, t- the way they lost. Uh, the, I should say the way they came out against the Titans. Obviously, you can say it was early in the year, but it was ugly. And then the Denver Broncos' loss was straight embarrassing. Uh, but there are things that work in his argument. On the other hand, you know, if you're looking at the, the three wins straight, um, it, it it feels better, I think, in the moment than than we probably expected it would having gone through it, but at the same time, this is what exactly was supposed to happen. And we sort of banked the season on this happening and, and, and they are doing it, which is good. But again, I, I don't think, I, I think we've gone away from, at least for the moment, uh, we've got to move on. We've got to get, get him out of here and we've got to find somebody else to let's it see, let's at least see what he's going to do in these last five, but he has the opportunity to really, uh, make the case that he should stick around. Turnovers are getting better. Penalties are getting better. The offense has a little bit of an identity. 
those things are all sort of going in the right direction. Now, it's got to happen. You can't, you know, you can't losing this week won't help you. Uh, going out and getting boat raced by a team like Baltimore obviously won't help you. You can't lose to the Bengals, and you can't lose, you know, Cardinals. Those games, like, yeah, you know, you've got the Cardinals, and that may be more difficult than than it probably should be. But at the same time, it's just he he's got his shot. He's put himself into a situation where he's got a shot, and and being back near 500. Five and six right now, potentially six and six after this week. He's put himself at least in the conversation, uh, and to be able to say, well, you know, it didn't go maybe how we wanted it, but we can at least we can at least say there's reason to believe this can get better in year two. Well, he's bought himself a puncher's chance. Um, the water's boiling. Cook the meal. Make something out of it. And that's pretty much kind of all you can ask for Freddie at this point. Because look, as ugly as it was looking. Here you are, and it's got a chance to run up four in a row and make yourself 3-0 in the division and maybe control your own destiny if it would be 10-6. and six. Look, just – and the thing is, is, you know, go into Pittsburgh Sunday. Do not lose your cool. That will be that will be something that could show well for Freddie Kitchens is they go out. They don't get these stupid penalties. And for somebody who sent it in, yeah, it was really weird the Browns got – the calls, a lot of calls in their favor on Sunday, even the review on the PI. Yeah, it definitely was weird on that point. I don't know if there's any meaning to it. And, you know, like Pete had said, you know, maybe Miami really is penalized a lot, but a lot of them are just declined because they're just not really good. Um, but with that, we're going to put a bow on this, guys. We're going to continue to pound it out here for this week. Um, Thanksgiving week means nothing to us, you know, work to be done, content to be put out three in a row. You want it to be four in a row. We're going to just continue to roll on through here on Locked On Browns. Follow the guy, follow my guy at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Getting closer and closer. I think it is to 6,000 followers. Um, and guys, look, as far as tweets and stuff like this, like <laughs> Pete and I don't care. We're just putting out what our thoughts, whether it's responses or, you know, how the tweets are received. Look, I mean, if you love them, that's great. If you don't, whatever, there's, some out there looking to create issues, whatever. I don't care. Browns Maven through SI.com at Browns Maven on Twitter. Make sure you're following over there. Pete and his team are putting together great content day in, day out. Make sure you're checking it out. The show itself at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. Follow back account and DMs are always open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open, guys. Feed me what you need, questions, anything you want on the show. Uh, questions you just have. Uh, I appreciate everybody looking out, checking in how I'm doing. It's awesome. Great stuff. I appreciate all of you. We're enjoying this. Um, we're starting to hit what we thought would be a lot more success in this season, but it's starting, you're starting to see it. And obviously Baker, fantastic day yesterday and, you know, getting everybody involved, basically all the family eight. Great day. Let's get into Pittsburgh. We'll get this W. We'll continue to roll on throughout through the week. This has been your daily delivery of all things all about LGB on the LLB. Let's go Browns.